Numbers chapter 16, that's usually the only point of a message that people smile about when the preacher says, and now the conclusion. That's the only time people smile. It's okay. We're used to it. We expect it. But I'm looking forward to what God has for us here today. Numbers chapter number 16. When you find it, if you can, let's stand together in honor of reading of God's word. I do want to encourage you to be here tonight. Uh, tonight we're dedicating the service really to our young people and what God's been doing uh, through our young people and in our young people during the summer between youth conference, mission trips, and then youth camp last week. Junior camp is next week, so pray about that. I want you to be here tonight to support our young people. Our young people need all the support that they can get as they seek to live for God and fulfill his will in the world that we're living in. And I promise you, there's nothing like looking out. They're going to be sitting in the choir tonight. I don't know if they know that yet, but they are. They're going to be sitting in the choir tonight. And what a blessing it will be. You ought to see their faces right now. Uh, what a blessing it'd be for them to look out and see support, okay? Every empty seat that they see tonight is going to be discouragement. All right? So make sure there's no empty seats. Don't you think, you know, if you're here, even if you're ugly, all right, just fill the seat. Just fill the seat. You'll be an encouragement to our young people tonight. And uh, we've got some slides, some videos, some testimonies, uh, wonderful testimonies of salvation uh, and repentance. Young people getting right with God, as, as oftentimes us as adults need to do. So be here tonight, uh, 5 o'clock, for our service. We're going to dedicate to our young people. Have some good singing as well. Numbers chapter 16. Let's jump into verse number 1. I'm going to skip through a few, and then we'll pray and let you be seated. The Bible says, now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan, and Ibarim, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took, me, took men, and they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. They gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore, lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. When Moses heard it, he fell upon his face, and he spake unto Korah and to all his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near unto him. Even him who he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. Skip down, if you will, verse number 26. I'll fill in the blanks for you later. Verse 26, the Bible says, Here's Moses speaking to the people one last time. And he spake unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest ye be consumed in all their sins. Now, there's a wonderful story for us to unravel this morning, so let's pray and ask God to give us some help. Father God, thank you for the wonderful singing this morning. Thank you for the wonderful spirit, the wonderful crowd we have here today. Thank you most of all for a wonderful Savior that has given us a reason to come and to sing and to be glad. Now, Father, I pray you bless as we get to your wonderful word right now, that, Lord, you would help us set aside the cares of life, appointments we have for this day, burdens we have in our life. Let's set aside that just for a few minutes that we might receive what you've sent for us. What a blessing it's been to me in preparing it, and I pray it'd be a blessing to those that are here in the receiving of it. Help us respond today. Holy Spirit, we just pray you'd have your will and way in the service in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
If you've, uh, if you've done much reading in your Bible, uh, reading through the Bible throughout the year, as we try to do that each year at Central, read through it through the Bible calendars. If you don't have one, go to the Welcome Desk. They'll be glad to give you one. Uh, but oftentimes, the book of Numbers is not necessarily a book you're going to go to uh, out, of, uh, out of desire, if you will. Uh, some of the things can be complicated in there oftentimes. Uh, we'll read Genesis. We'll skip to Psalms, Proverbs. And for some odd reason, we jump to Revelation, okay? We just jump off in the deep end of the pool. Uh, but if you've read a little bit in the book of Numbers, you've probably heard of what's going on here in this passage of Scripture. Now, what we see in this passage of Scripture is something that should be quite familiar to us, uh, especially living in the day and age of 2021, because what we're having here is two groups of people with differing opinions, uh, and their opinions and the situation is beginning to escalate a little bit. Uh, In the first camp, we have Moses, Aaron, and the priest. Now, here's what Moses and Aaron, the priest, are doing. They're just going about the will of God. They've been called of God to minister before God. That's the requirements that God has laid upon them in their service to him. And they're just going about the will of God, doing what God's called them to do. But in the second camp, we see in verse number one, we have a man by the name of Korah. Uh, Korah has gotten a group together, about 250 notable, influential people. And they've come up with this idea that you see down in verse number uh, three. The Bible says they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. They said, the Bible says, ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore, then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. Korah is sitting back and he says, well, Moses and Aaron, they're somebodies. You know, they have a position on the platform, if you will. They have a title. They're getting to serve God. And you know what? He says, everybody's holy, and the Lord is amongst everybody. So there's no reason you get to elevate yourself above us, and we should get to do the job that you're doing. Now, very, very dangerous path that Korah's on, and we'll see the end of it here uh, in about 46 minutes. Okay, we'll see the end of it in a minute, I assure you. Uh, But here's what's amazing. In the midst of this standoff, as these two groups, these two camps, if you will, uh, are going at each other, in the midst of this standoff, Moses prescribes something quite amazing. In essence, he prescribes a priest-off, okay? You know what a priest-off is? Probably never heard that before, uh, but uh, I coined the phrase. If you ever hear it again, you know you heard it here first. Moses says, we're going to have a priest-off. You know, right now in basketball, the NBA, they're having the NBA playoffs where two teams go head-to-head and they find out who is uh, the legit contenders, all right? Uh, Maybe sometimes you have a bake-off. I think we need to do that in the fall. Have a chili cook-off. Wouldn't that be great? Some chili and some Fritos. Brother Nate, put that on the calendar. When you have a chili cook-off, sometimes Brother Nate and Brother Heath, when they have disagreements on staff, they have dance-offs. I don't know if you've ever heard of those. Uh, but yeah, you ought to see it. Well, they, they, both have, uh, they both have pretty good moves for, uh, uh, for religious guys, you know. Uh, they'll get out there in the hall and they'll just dance it off. They'll find out who's right and who's wrong and you'll have to ask them and they'll fill you in on uh, who, who usually ends up. But uh, here's the deal. Moses says, okay, you want to be the priest and you want to fill this role and you want to have this authority. Moses says, what we're going to do is you get your guys together And I'm going to get God's guides together, and we're going to get the censers. The censers were those containers uh, that contained the live coal from the fire and the incense. And they would walk through uh, with that incense uh, in the temple, in the tabernacle. He says, you get yours, and we're going to get ours. And we're going to stand before the Lord. And notice what the Bible says. Look down to verse 5. He spake unto Korah and all his company, saying, even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his 
and who is holy. Now let me tell you, Korah's playing a high-stakes game of chicken here. As Korah steps up and says, I have every right to do what you're doing and to be who you are, and I'm just as good as you, even though I'm not called of God, I can do what you're doing. And Moses says, okay, we're going to settle this and allow God to pick who's going to be who and who is called of him. Now, what's interesting is when you look down to verse 26, I read to you a moment ago, Moses is being Moses. Moses is that deliverer. And he's interceding for the people one more time. Why? Because innocent people are going to get hurt. If Korah and those that are following Korah proceed on the path they're on, innocent people are going to get hurt. <clears throat> and so Moses pleads with them one more time. And he spake unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest ye be consumed in all their sins. Do you know what Moses is saying? Before you take one step forward... Before you continue on this path, I want you to think about what you're doing. He says, look, I know that me and Aaron and the priest are in this camp, and you guys are in Korah's camp, but what I want you to do is reconsider your camp. Before you move forward with this foolish Aaron that's going against the will of God, I want you to think about it before innocent people get hurt. I think all of us have probably heard of the feud of the Hatfields and McCoys. Uh, it's been romanticized a little bit on television, but it was a real feud. As a matter of fact, years ago, Dad took us on a mission trip up to Pikeville, Kentucky, uh, Raccoon, Kentucky, a little suburb where we were, and I got my hair cut in the Hatfield and McCoy's barber shop. Kind of nervous about that, but I wanted the experience, so I did it. Is, is. Anyway, I got in there and I asked the man, I said, What was this all about? What was this all about? Now, here's the totals 12 people were killed. Nine Hatfields were sent to prison. Seven Hatfields were sent to prison for life, and one McCoy was executed. I said, what was this all about? He says, as best we can tell, it was about a hog. As best we could tell, it was about a hog. Now, folks, I like bacon as much as the next guy. But wait a minute, 12 people killed, nine in prison, seven for life, and one McCoy was executed? As best we could tell... I mean, such a high-stakes cost, and the best you could tell, it was over a pig. Didn't somebody, at some point, in the midst of this feud, stop to reconsider what they were doing because of the great cost that they were incurring because of it, as best we could tell? Now, folks, I want you to know something this morning. There's a lot of people who are playing a high-stakes game of chicken with God. Some lost. That's the highest stakes of all because they're eternal. There's a lot of saved people this morning that are in a different camp than God is, going about our will, doing what we want, rather than what thus saith the Lord, and you're in a camp that's opposite of God's, and I beg you this morning to reconsider your camp before you go any further today. I would walk out of those doors until each and every one of us this morning reconsidered the camp that we're in to make sure we're with the Lord, because if you're not careful, you're going to pay a high price for being in the wrong camp. What did Moses say? He says, I pray you. He says, I pray you, depart from the tents of the wicked. Reminds me of the story years ago. There was another, another feud in the Carolinas, a man by the name of Clarence, and a man by the name of Rufus. And every day they would go down to the river to draw water. And old Clarence would, would reach down, draw his water, look up, and there was old Rufus across the river drawing his water. And he'd look at him and he'd say, Rufus, if I could swim, I'd swim across this river and I'd whoop you something good. 
And then vice versa. He said, well, if I could swim, I'd swim across this river, and I'd whoop you good. And for 25 years, Clarence and Rufus went back and forth. Oh, if I could swim, I'd swim across this river, and I'd whoop you good. Well, progress made it to the Carolina area where they lived, and the Corps of Engineers came in and did them a grand favor and built them a bridge. Clarence went down to the river, and lo, the bridge is there, and he's drawing his water. And boy, they started shouting at each other, and finally, old Rufus' wife says, you know what? Rufus, I'm tired of you always going down to the river, hollering at Clarence and all this. Why don't you just man up and go across that bridge and whoop him? He says, I think I'm going to do just that. He grabs his shotgun, takes off down the hill, starts crossing the bridge and looks over the trestle of the bridge, and it says, Clarence, 13 feet, 6 inches. Goosebumps begin to break out on, on Rufus's arm. Rufus takes off back to the house as fast as he can, throws the gun up on the mantle, climbs up underneath the bed, and he's scared to death. His wife comes down there and says, what's the matter? He says, honey, you know how when things are further away, they're small? The closer you get to them, they're big. He says, you're never going to believe this, but Clarence is 13 feet tall and 6 inches, and I don't want no part of that. Do you know what Rufus did? Rufus did something we need to do this morning. He reconsidered his camp. He says, you know what? I don't want any bit of that. 13 feet, 6 inches. I don't want any part of old Clarence. And can I tell you, you don't want any part this morning of being in the wrong camp against God. And this morning, I think we all need to reconsider our camp just a little bit. And that's what we're going to preach on for the next few minutes, reconsidering your camp. And here's what I want to help you do. I want to help you end your standoff with God. There's too many of us this morning. We're in a standoff with God. We're going about our will, our way, what we want, lost and saved alike. Safe people don't act like you're not oftentimes at odds with God. We are. I am as well. And it's best you end this standoff with God before someone gets hurt. And this morning we're going to follow what uh, Moses prescribed for them on how they could end this standoff and reconsider the camps they were in. So let's go back to the beginning if we could. Let's see where this all began. Verse number one, Korah gets his group together. Verse number two, the Bible says they come to Moses. And verse number three, notice what the Bible says. They gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, uh, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves among the, among the congregation. Now, there's something very important in that verse that we just read there that you need to see. Here's what Korah is saying. Korah says, Moses, you didn't put yourself in this position. Uh, God didn't put you in this position. You put yourself in that position. And so, therefore, I want to put myself in that same position. Now, the first thing I want you to notice, number one, is the conflict. Let's look at this conflict that they're going through. Korah says it's not fair that you get to be somebody, and I'm not a somebody. And he's sitting there at his house one day. I can just picture it. He's sitting there in his tent, probably have some kind of a crude lazy boy in there. And he's sitting there thinking to himself, Moses is, is known by everybody. Moses gets to sit on the platform up there. Moses gets to be the leader. And you know what? I should get to be a leader just like Moses. You know, sometimes that, that idea light bulb begins to flicker. Some of you, it's been a while, hasn't it? Sometimes when it flickers, it's good. Sometimes when it starts to come on, you better turn the switch off. Why? Because this was not a good idea that Korah was having. Now watch closely what's happening. Moses is adamant. Moses is saying, I didn't put myself in this position. Moses says, I'm doing what I'm doing because God called me to. Remember the burning bush? 
God called Moses to do what Moses was doing. Now, here's what the camps were all about. If you could sum it up, the two camps were this. It was ideas versus instructions. Korah had an idea. I think, oh, be careful. Be careful with words that follow those two. I think, how many times have I hurt myself, Brother Jim? Because I think. I'm talking about physically hurt myself and put people in danger. Why? Because I think. Now, look, nothing wrong with ideas. But be careful when your ideas are at odds with God's instructions. Korah has this idea that I should be doing what you're doing. I should have that authority. I should be somebody. And you know, it may have seemed like a good idea, but it was a bad idea because his good idea went against God's instructions. Now, can I tell you something this morning? If you're living by your ideas rather than God's instructions, you're in the wrong camp. All right? I don't care how good your ideas are. And more importantly, God doesn't care how good your ideas are. Your idea may look good to the world and be accepted by the world. It may make you a lot of friends and zero enemies. But if your good ideas are at odds with what God has instructed, you're in the wrong camp. You're in the wrong camp. Now, folks, I don't like telling people they're wrong. I'm being honest with you. Man, I was at Topher's yesterday, and I love ordering their wings. Miss Sarah got me started on their wings, and man, they're good. And uh, I order plain wings with buffalo and blue cheese. Brent Bartlett got me started on blue cheese. Who would ever want to eat moldy cheese, but he got me started on that. It was a bad influence. So I went there yesterday, and I said, hey, could I get some blue cheese? She gave me two little white cups of this uh, sauce, and so I opened it up. It was ranch. I went back up there again. I says, could I get some blue cheese? She gave me two more cups. You know what it was? It was ranch too. I just went ahead and ate it. I don't like telling people they made a mistake. I don't like making people feel bad. There's too many of folks out there that like making people feel bad. I don't want anybody to feel bad. And I just went on about my business. I don't like telling people when they're wrong. I don't like telling people when they have bad ideas. I don't like being told that myself. But folks, when your ideas are opposed to God's instruction, it's best that somebody love you enough to tell you the truth that you're in the wrong camp. I have ideas about salvation. Look, you know, it'd be a good idea if you could just be good enough to go to heaven. Sounds like a good idea. I'm just going to be kind. I'm going to do good. I'm going to give to the poor. I'm going to ring the bell at Christmas out in front of Walmart, the Salvation Army kettle. And hey, that sounds like a good idea, but watch this. It's not going to work. Why? It's going against God's instructions. There's only one way to be saved. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way. That means exclusively, number one, that's it. I don't know how many people that I witness to throughout the course of a week, talk to, and it's amazing the ideas they come up with. You say, well, how do you know their ideas are wrong? Well, how did Korah know his idea was wrong? Turn with me back to your left, Leviticus 21. One book, Leviticus 21. I want you to see something. Stick with me today, all right? I want to help you today. Leviticus 21. Watch this. Watch verse number one. And the Lord said unto who? Moses. Speak unto the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say unto them, There shall none be defiled for the dead among his people. Look down, if you will, to verse 6. They shall be holy unto their God and not profane the name of their God. For the offerings of the Lord made by fire and the bread of their God they do offer. Therefore, they shall be holy. Who did God say was going to be holy in that service of the priesthood? It was Aaron. You see, God had already decided who he wanted. 
And all that Korah had to do was, you know what? That sounds like a good idea, but that contrast with God's instruction. God says these are the guys that are supposed to be doing that job. Now, folks, you could save yourself and I could save myself a whole lot of trouble this morning if I took my good ideas and filtered them through God's instruction. And what comes out the other side is going to be good. It's kind of like coffee, you know? In, in, in a coffee maker, you have a filter, right? Unless some of you just like chewing your coffee, most of us use a filter. And you got a filter in there, and you put some, some coffee grounds in there, and you put water in there, and that filter holds out everything you don't want in your cup. I mean, who likes chewing their coffee? I know it's 2021, and you can identify however you want to, but I just don't want to be identified as somebody who likes to chew their coffee, okay? Because just be honest. And that filter stops everything bad from coming in, and what comes out the bottom, it's like Mr. Food used to say, ooh, it's so good. But thank God you have a filter. If that filter wasn't in place, you'd have a whole lot of icky in your cup, right? Now, can I tell you, you don't want to have a whole lot of icky in our cup of life, a whole lot of icky in our families. It's because, watch, we use our ideas without the filter of God's instructions, and that's why we're in the mess that we're in. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. What does that mean? Light bulb, boom. Somebody thought it was a good idea to say that man came out of this primordial soup, climbed up as a lizard, and then somehow became a chicken, and that chicken became a T-Rex. I just can't connect them dots. All right? You lost me at the chicken and the T-Rex. How many times do you look at a chicken truck going down the highway and think, truck full of T-Rexes? They're about as far from a T-Rex as you could get. They're captured in this little cage. I mean, if it was a box full of T-Rex, they'd have been broke out of there. But somebody thought it was a good idea to say we came from this soup and we became chickens and T-Rexes and then we got wings and we flew and we became a man. If they'd only filtered that good idea through God's instruction, they would have found out it would have never passed muster. Now, folks, this is the conflict we all face. You're thinking, yeah. Yeah, how could they come up with that? The same way that we substitute our good ideas for what thus saith the Lord has already instructed for our homes. Look at our world that we're living in. 2021, we're living in an age of equality. Everything is equal. Everybody wants to be equal. And I'll be honest with you. I would love to deed over half of the head of my house and my home to the leadership of my wife. I would gladly do that if I could. You know what, honey? It's 2021. I'm not going to take sole responsibility for the direction of my home. Oh, no, 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 no. Equality, all that stuff, you know? And so I want you to share the leadership responsibility with me, and I'm just going to deed it over to you. Man, that sounds like a great idea. That means when I stand before God, my wife's going to be standing right there with me. The unfortunate truth about that is God has called me to be the head of my house. You say, well, I just don't like that kind of preaching. Then you don't like the word of God because that's where I got it from, all right? This is God's instruction, and I'm trying to help us this morning because the world wants you to adopt their ideas. Why? Because it makes them more comfortable. It makes you more accepted. It makes you more friends and less enemies. I'd love to let Miley choose how she wants to live. Miley, look, you're what, 14 now? I mean, good night. Back in the olden days, people were getting married at 14, Right? Some of you that lived in the olden days. You know what, Milam's I'm just going to let you decide what you want to watch, what you want to listen to, what kind of electronics you have. No filters. You do what you want. You pick your direction. Man, that would be a lot easier on me. 
A lot easier on me. I'm going to sit back and watch Gunsmoke or Bonanza or something like that. You raise yourself, kiddo. I've done my best. Brought you into this world, fed you, kept you alive for 14 years. What else could you ask for me? That seems like a good idea. The only problem is the Bible says I am required by God to train her up in the way that she should go and to bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I cannot get rid of God's instruction because of a good idea of what I think will work. Be careful, mom and dad. It's so easy to adopt the world's good ideas for your home and your children, and I'll promise you, you overrule God's instructions for your good ideas. I'll promise you, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Your children are going to pay for it. Your children are going to pay for it. Number one, the conflict. The conflict was simply this. Good ideas versus God's instructions. Can we all admit this morning that we're capable of bad ideas? Come on. I mean, some of you picked out your outfits this morning. <laughs> I'm just picking with you. But seriously, I've seen, uh, anyway. You know Jeremiah 17, 9, what the Bible says? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Do you know what the mantra of 2021 is? Distrust your heart. Go with your heart. But God's instruction says, that my heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, can I tell you, when God says who can know it, you better pay attention to that because that means you can't. <laughs> means you can't. Well, you know what? I'm just letting my heart lead me. You're going to destroy your family. You're going to destroy your children. That's why our country's in the shape it's in. We followed our heart, and our heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Years ago, we had a visitor at our church. Small church, visitors come in, you know, every so often, and I could afford to take them out to eat. I can't do that at a church of this size, okay? So uh, we'll have to go out for a Twinkie or something sometime. We took this uh, young couple out to eat. We're sitting at the Mongolian Grill, and I asked the young man, I called his name, and I says, uh, have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? He says, he says, yes, I'm saved. I said, wonderful. Tell me how you got saved. It's important you ask. He says, well, one day I was walking down this alley. Usually when stories like that, they start like that, you know it's going to be good. And all of a sudden it got cloudy. Is this not how it went down? It got cloudy and I went into this trance. And this dragon came down to get me. And the dragon has me. I'm sitting there at my table. It was like a movie. The dragon had me and he's pulling on me. And I says, God, you got to save me. And that's where I got saved. Now, granted, awesome story. Smoked mine like nobody's business. I got saved when I was nine by a Xerox copy machine. Man, people can come up with some weird ideas. But it was a bad idea. You know why? Because his idea went against God's instruction on how he was to be saved. Your ideas always have to give way to God's instruction. But AJ was up at the uh, Grizzly Club, we called it. We called it the Grizzly Club because they killed a grizzly bear there on Tuesday at the club in Montana. Knocked on the door and asked them if they would come, and they told him no. And their words were basically this. It says, we trust in science, ideas that are based on facts. And they didn't come to their club. Why? They had their own ideas. 
Now, folks, look, there's nothing wrong with having your own ideas. Ideas are good. Every once in a while, my wife will let me know when I have a good one. There's nothing wrong with your ideas, but make sure your ideas don't overshadow what God has instructed. John 3, 3, the Bible says, except a man be born again. God says, that's the way you be saved right there. You see, God's instruction is really neat if you read this thing. You'll find out a whole lot about how God would have you to live. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. What is he saying? He says, look, you want instructions on how to go to heaven? Here they are. But be careful interjecting your good ideas, because your good ideas could lead you straight to hell. There's a lot of people in hell who had a good idea about how they should get to heaven. Years ago, I had a friend of mine, and she is a friend of mine. Doesn't know the Lord, but she's a friend. And one day her kid walked in the room and called her by her first name. This kid's about, what, eight or nine, ten years old. I'm just going to be honest with you, all right? I may be old-fashioned, and I'm proud of it. But, man, I just don't like when kids call their parents by their first name. It just, like, went all over me. And so I waited a few minutes just to make sure, and sure enough, he called his mother by her first name. I says, okay, I got a quick, weird question for you, just a weird question I want to ask. Did he call you by your first name? She goes, yes, in her words were, we have a different idea on child rearing. Evidently. Folks, nothing wrong with having different ideas as long as they're not opposed by God's instructions. The Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother. All right? We're not on the same level. My mom and dad, we're not buddies. All right? They're my authority. Young people, your mom and dad are your authority. Okay? You say, I just don't like that idea. That's okay. That's okay. There's a lot of things as a kid I didn't like either, but it still didn't change the fact that God instructed me to honor my father and my mother. So this morning, watch this. If you're going to make sure you're in the right camp, you're going to have to resolve the conflict, and the conflict is between your ideas and God's instruction. Real quickly, think about Abraham and Sarah. God says, I have instructions for you. I want you to to be the parents that produce a great nation, and I'm going to give you a son. God gave them instructions. But then one day, watch this, Sarah's sitting over there, and the light bulb begins to flicker. Beware when it flickers. You know what? I can't have kids, but I've got Hagar over here. I'll give her to Abraham, and you know what? They can have a child, and everything will be fine. That was not a good idea from the start. That child Ishmael would grow up to fight Isaac. And I've told you many times, Ishmael and Isaac are still fighting. Because somebody's good idea, that's Islam versus the Jews, somebody's good idea overrode God's instructions. So number one, the conflict, ideas versus instructions. Now, number two, real quickly, I'm going to hurry. The points are short today. Notice in verse number three, instead of bickering with them, notice what Moses did. Or notice verse five, I'm sorry, verse five. Notice first verse four, the Bible says, when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. He wasn't uplifted with pride, he was brokenhearted. Can I tell you something, Christian? That's the heart you ought to go to people that are in the wrong camp. Not uplifted in pride and anger, in humility. Verse 5, he spake unto Korah and said unto all his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his. Now notice those words, the Lord will show. Now, Moses cares enough about the people to show them the second point this morning. Notice he shows them the conclusion. He shows them the conclusion. Now remember, ideas aren't bad, but ideas have outcomes. 
And he's trying to show them there's going to be an outcome. Now, here's the, the trouble we get into. Trouble usually occurs when we're so hyped about an idea, we don't consider the outcome. Have you ever got yourself hurt doing that? You get so excited about an idea, you're like, man, this is great. I want to be a part of this. I want to take my family there. And you don't think about the outcome of where it's going to lead. Case in point. I didn't ask my wife if I could say this, so this might get me in trouble. So you listen real good and make the illustration worth it, okay? Last night, she was putting together the slideshow for the Montana team, and we're going to show tonight at church, and was putting together pictures. I had this one good picture of some kids in our group, and she put the slideshow together, and she came back to the room last night just blushing. I said, what's the matter? She goes, I was looking at the kids, put the picture in there, and I'm playing through the slideshow, put the music on there, and I noticed in the background, spray painted on the wall is a very bad word, profanity. We were, we were about to have an R-rated mission slide program tonight. <laughs> we have to put that sign up there, you know, warning, explicit content. I'm saying, thank God you caught it. That we would have had to blame it on Brother Bo or somebody. Brother Bo, what did you put that in the video for? It can't be Miss Leslie's fault. She's too nice. And uh, we don't want her to get in trouble. But here's what she said. She says, I was looking at the picture and I saw the kids in such a good picture and didn't realize the profanity was in the distance back behind the picture. And oh, I was thinking to my desk there a few minutes ago. How often are we that way? We get so enamored by an idea. and Man, that looks good. And Man, what a great idea. But we don't think about the distance. What's in the distance? What's the conclusion of what this is going to lead to? Folks, can I tell you, you've got to consider the end of your ideas. If you think you're going to heaven because you've been good and you've been baptized and because you have been religious your life, you better think about the end of your ideas. Because listen, God wouldn't have sent his only begotten son to live and to die and to suffer if you could be good enough to go to heaven. The end of your ideas could lead you to hell. If you're here this morning and you're saved and you said, you know what, I'm saved, my name's written down and I know that, but I have different ideas about raising my kids and building my home and living my life, ideas aren't bad, but they better not be opposed to God's instruction. Why? Because your ideas have an end. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 28, listen to this. It's almost talking about America. For they are a nation void of counsel, neither is there any understanding in them. Now listen to this. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. The Bible says you're wise if you'll consider your latter end. You're wise if you'll consider the conclusion of what camp you're in. And this morning, if you realize the camp you're in is not the camp that God is in, you better break camp this morning. Why? Because you don't want to make it all the way to the end because the end is too late. Folks, be careful with your ideas. Be careful. We got two weeks ago this morning, we were in Lighthouse Baptist Church in Missoula, Montana. Walked in with our group, began mingling there, talking with the pastor. He said, where are you guys from? I said, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. He said, I have a friend at your church. I said, really? I said, who is it? His exact words were Johnny Matthews. I think I'm going to start calling him that. Johnny. It's kind of a cool name. He said, I went, to, I went to college, grew up, or went to college with John Matthews and uh, just good friends and all this. He says, as a matter of fact, I preached a camp in Mississippi for John Matthews when he lived in central Baton Rouge. So now we're trying to triangulate things. I said, was the camp in the middle of the woods? 
He goes, yeah, had really neat pools. If you've never seen the Jack Andrews special pool, you got to see it. Amazing American ingenuity. I said, that's my parents' camp. His next words were this. Your brother's nuts. <laughs> no joke. No joke. I'm standing in Missoula, Montana, at Lighthouse Baptist Church, and this guy, who I don't remember from Adam, is telling me, your brother's nuts. Now, I know my brother's nuts, okay? He's a great guy. I hope you get to meet him one day. I know my brother's nuts, but I'm like, how do you know my brother's nuts? He goes, well, we were going to scare the teenagers. They're coming back on the bike trail. Some of you were probably there. Quincy, you were probably there. We're coming back down the bike trail, and he says, we wanted to sneak around there and scare them. And so I was going to run there, and your brother says, hey, I got a brand new Dodge Charger RT. Why don't you jump in with me, and I'll drive you around there fast. Good idea, right? Good idea. I mean, driving a Dodge Charger RT is faster than walking. Good idea. And so they jump in, they take off to the new church site, which is all grown up with grass. And in the haste of that moment, my brother forgot that they had delivered the new metal building that was going to sit on that site, and it was laying out there in that tall grass. All of a sudden, they hear a crinkle and a crunch. <coughs> and laying behind the car, if I'm not mistaken, was his gas tank. One of the I-beams from the building had snatched it out. Can I tell you what my brother's feeling probably was at that moment? Well, it sure seemed like a good idea. But he forgot that the building was laying there. That old car got so beat up. It got ran into. That old car got beat up. Now, folks, listen to me. That's why our life's so beat up. We don't take time to take our good ideas and run them through God's instruction, and the conclusion is trouble. Now, what was the conclusion here? Look at verse 5. The Lord will show. Can I tell you what Moses assures the people? It's the same thing I want to assure you of this morning. God's going to sort it out. God's going to sort it out. Well, I have ideas about salvation. I think I've got it. You know, my grandmother prayed for me and I've been baptized and sprinkled and dunked and all of this. I have my own ideas. Okay, okay. You can have your ideas. God allows you to have ideas, but just understand he's going to sort it out. What does the Bible tell us? Hebrews 9, 27. It's appointed unto man once to die. That means you get once to live. You get once to live. And you can have your ideas while you live, but understand this. The Bible says, but after this, the judgment. God's going to sort the laundry. God's going to sort the laundry. Now, here's the sad thing is, when you get to the conclusion, it's too late to reconsider your camp. When you get to the end of it, when God sorts it out, you see, watch this. God is loving. God is merciful. You'll never convince me otherwise. Why? Because God gives us opportunities to reconsider our camp while we're here. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every time you open up your Bible, God gives you a chance through his mercy and grace to reconsider which camp you're in. And to break camp with the ones you don't want to be in. Why? Because there is a conclusion, and the conclusion is the fact that God's going to sort it out. Turn with me real quickly to Proverbs 23. The last two are short. Proverbs 23. I want you to see something. I want you to look down, if you will, to verse 17. Now look, don't get mad at me, all right? You're welcome to. But I'm just telling you what God said. 
I'm just telling you what God said, all right? That's why I'm getting you to look at it. Proverbs 23, look down at verse 17. Let not thine heart envy sinners. Let me ask you a question. You ever looked off at the world's crowd? And you're over here in God's tent, raising your family, building your home, trying to be faithful. And you're looking over their tent, and man, they got the disco ball going. They got bubbles coming out of there. Music's going. I mean, that tent is hopping. That, you're sitting over there, and you're like, that camp is one I want to be in. And man, your flesh wants to be in there. But what does it say? Verse 17, let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in fear of the Lord all the day long. He says, I know you're sitting over here, and you're thinking, man, that looks like a good idea. She looks like a good idea. He looks like a good idea. Oh, but the Bible says don't envy them. Be careful. Why? It says, I want you to fear the Lord all the day long. Watch verse 18. For surely there is an end. Boy, if you could etch, etch some words on your heart this morning, it would be those words in verse 18. For surely there is an end. See, there's an end to what? There's an end to everything. Every idea you have right now, there's an end to it. There's an end. And at the end, do you know what is there? It's not a what. It's a who. God's going to sort it all out. This morning, you may be saved. You've trusted Christ as your Savior. You know 100% sure if you died right now, you're going to heaven because you've trusted Christ and Christ alone. Check. But you may be living in a way this morning that's contrary to the Word of God and I may not know it, nobody else in here may not know it, but God knows it. And the reason that's important, he's the one that sorts it out at the end. What did Moses say? The Lord will show who are his. Can I tell you why you ought to reconsider your camp today? Because God's going to sort all the things out. And surely there is an end. So we see the conclusion of it. But watch this. This is the good news. Look at verse 26. He said, Brother Jeremiah, that's scary. I didn't come here to get scared. You know, sometimes scared is a good thing. Make it scared to do the right thing. Verse 26, watch this. And he spake unto the congregation. They're fixing to have the priest off. Here we go. You guys get your censer and your coal and your incense, and here we go. We're about to have our priest off here. But before they do, the Bible says, he spake unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of the, these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest ye be consumed in all their sins. What God is doing is God is asking mercy and grace. God, if you destroy those men, everybody that's in that camp, in that tent, they're going to die with them. He says, God, would you give us another opportunity to get some folks out of that camp and out of that tent and into your tent? Can we get them back over here in your instruction instead of their ideas? And so Moses pleads with them. Now, here's what God is doing. God is giving them an opportunity to consider their end before they meet it. Isn't that nice? Isn't it nice? God lets you consider and reconsider the camp you're in before you reach the end of that camp. So number three, notice the consideration. The consideration. Seeing that God's going to sort it out, Moses implores them to reconsider. Now, you know what he's telling them? He says, depart, I pray you. You know what he says? Get out while you still can. Get out of that camp while you still can. 
because there's a conclusion coming to that camp and you don't want any part of it. I'm going to read it to you in just a second. You don't want any part of what God's going to do to that camp. And so he says, depart, get out of it. He says, break camp, break camp. Can I tell you, I'm so thankful that as a child, I heard the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I realized I was in the wrong camp. But then God invited me over to his camp. I accepted the invitation, I broke camp, and I joined his camp, and I've been there ever since. God doesn't lose those that are in his camp. Aren't you glad? Oh, he probably would have purposely lost me a long time ago. But I had to choose to break camp. If you're lost today, you better break camp before you reach a conclusion of that camp because it's going to be bad. And if you're saved this morning and you're not in the same camp as God, you're living by your ideas other than his instruction, you better break camp. Why? The conclusion's coming I believe sooner than later. Sunday night, I told you about the, uh, the teepee we got to build. I'll show you some pictures right quick. If you weren't here Sunday night, um, then you missed out. Here's the teepee we got to build. You got some great experience. When you boys run away from home, you know what to do now. All right, know how to build one of those. There's some pictures there of us going up with it. We didn't have any deer skin, so we had to use canvas and, and a stepladder. I don't think they had stepladders, but I think they would have used them if they did have them. And so we worked on that tent, worked on that tent, worked on it, and we got it up, just a beautiful little tent on the Flathead Indian Reservation in Montana. Bucketless moment. I mean, come on, all of you men know you'd like to sleep in a tent on an Indian reservation. You'd like to build one. There's me and the guys. You can't tell it, but that was the morning after, and we're miserable. I told the folks Sunday night, Nehemiah talked in his sleep the whole time. He was having a verbal altercation with somebody, of whom we're not sure, but it was serious. It was serious. Walker's over there coughing up his lungs, kidneys, and anything else he could get out of his chest cavity. Joseph's playing nurse, and Braden's just cold. He's just laying there like lurch on the floor, frozen. I laid there and laid there, and it seemed like such a good idea. Sleeping in a tent on an Indian reservation, I mean a teepee on an Indian reservation. Who wouldn't want to do that? Ground was rocky, it was cold, and because there's a hole in the top of the teepee, all the heat gets out. I'm sleeping in jeans and tennis shoes and a hoodie and a blanket, and I was miserable. About 5.15, that first little bit of light started coming through. You know what I said? So long, guys. <laughs> I'm out of there. I said, it's been miserable camping in this thing. I don't know how the Indians did it. Kudos to them. But I'm a soft white boy. <laughs> it just didn't work out for me. So you know what I did? I went back to my tent. My tent had a double bed in it. A mosquito screen. There's no air conditioning, no heat, but it had a bed in it with a memory foam mattress. And oh, can I tell you? I didn't feel sorry for them guys one bit. <laughs> I slept in baptistries when I was on mission trips. Slept on church pews and floors in the ground. I didn't feel bad. But I was so thankful to break camp the next morning. Why? Because where I went was far better than where I came from. That's why you ought to break camp. If you're lost, you ought to get saved today. You're going to find the teepee you've been living in ain't nothing compared to the memory foam tent that God's got prepared for you. It may not be in this life, but I promise you it's in the next one. But you've got to choose to do what? Consider, reconsider, break camp is what he says. Now, notice this. I can't pass this up. 
He says, depart, I pray you, from the tents of the wicked men and touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. Can I tell you, Korah's tent came with Korah's trouble. The tent you're in comes with something and make sure it's not the trouble that Korah had. Now, I believe this morning, I'll hurry. The last point, I'm going to give you four today, but the last one's the invitation. I believe the message that he's preaching in verse 26 needs to be repeated in 2021. I believe this morning that God's people need to heed the message of depart, I pray you, from the tents of the wicked men and touch nothing of theirs. Does that sound familiar at all? Does that sound familiar? What does the Bible say, 2 Corinthians 6, 17? Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. God says, what on earth are my people doing in the wrong camp? What on earth are my people doing living amongst the world, acting like the world, raising their kids like the world, when I, listen, I thought they joined my camp. He's saying, you ought to break camp this morning. I'll be honest with you. I get so disappointed scrolling through social media, seeing what God's people have to post, even preachers, God help us, about shows that they watch, movies that they watch. I'm talking about stuff that no Christian has any right watching or filling their eyes or their ears with. That's why he says, touch not. He says, get out of there. Don't touch it. Don't watch it. Don't listen to it. I noticed the other day I had someone posted uh, something, a preacher friend, posted about one of the lines from his favorite movies. And I see these two sitcoms mentioned over and over and over again, all right? I'm going to stay looking down uh, so we can't see if uh, maybe that's your favorite as well. But I often hear people quoting movie quotes or sitcom quotes from the shows Friends and The Office. I see that more than anything. Friends and The Office. So here's what I did. I've never watched that. So I went through, was it IMDb? Is that what it's called? And you can look it up and look up what it's rated as far as profanity, Sexual inappropriateness, immorality, and the bars were slid all the way across. And so often it's God's people posting that they watch that and list that. Do you know what that's evidence of? We've gotten comfortable in Korah's tent, and we wonder why we're losing our children. We wonder why they're living in immorality. It's because we expose them to it every day through what they see on television, what they hear on the radio, and God's not going to hold us unaccountable. He's not. Mom and dad, he gave you those kids to raise the nurture and admonition. That means direction of the Lord and what you put in front of those kids, you're going to give an account to God for. Amazing as I researched those two shows, Friends and The Office. I've never, honest before God, watched an episode of any of them. I found that in Japan, they're rated 18 and older. It's the same rating we give to pornography. Now, folks, listen to me. When it comes to unwed teenage mothers, America ranks number one in the world. Japan ranks 121. 121. Is there any, is there any evidence? Wait a minute, could they be related? You bet they're related. You can't put that stuff in front of your kids and they watch it. And look, if you're mad at me right now, it shows you spent too long in Korah's tent and you've done become desensitized to what God calls immorality. Now look, you may never come back here this morning, but you heard the truth one time. I love you enough to tell you, look, if you're sitting in front of that stuff, watching that stuff, letting our kids watch that stuff, don't be surprised when they do that stuff. All right? We put it in front of them. And we wonder, good night. I had them in a good church. I mean, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. But it was Monday through Saturday that we lost our kids. Why? Because mom and dad secretly hopped out of God's tent on Sunday night and ran back to Cora's tent 
And folks, look, if you don't reconsider which camp you're in this morning, you're going to lose your children. All right? You may not like it, but it's the truth. I promise you, I'm telling you because I love you. Proverbs 4, 19, uh, 14, 9. The Bible says fools make a mock at sin. I read the references for each of those shows. Now, I don't know how many other shows that are out there. I don't even know if those shows are still on the air. I just hear those a lot. So I looked them up, and we laugh about it. We laugh about it. We laugh about immorality. We laugh about adultery, fornication, folks getting drunk, homosexuality. We laugh about what God calls sin, and the Bible says we're fools. Fools make a mock at sin. Now, look, 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 look. I'm not calling you a fool. I'm just saying what the Bible says. Please don't burn down my house tonight, all right? I'm just being honest with you because I want you to enjoy what God has in his camp. Real quickly, what happened to Lot? What happened to Lot? The Bible says that Lot is trying to decide which way do I go? God's instruction or good ideas. He says, you know what? If I go towards Sodom and pitch my tent towards Sodom, that green grass, that marshy land, our cows will get fat. And when our cows get fat, our wallets get fat. And our, our wallets get fat, our, our tent gets fat, our truck gets fat, and we get fat. Isn't that what happens usually? Man, yeah, that's a good idea. The Bible says that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. Probably not too far from Korah's tent. And he lost his children. He lost his children. He lost his wife. Why? Lot should have stopped and reconsidered his camp. He got comfortable with the chorus. Yeah, these aren't too bad. He got desensitized to it, and it cost him. Folks, could I get you to reconsider your camp this morning? I promise you. I wish you could see my heart. My heart is broken this morning because we're losing our kids. We're losing our families. And we wonder why. And it's because we're not reconsidering our camp. He says in verse 26, depart, I pray you. That's my heart this morning. I pray you, I beg you, please. What did he say? Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men and touch nothing of theirs. He says, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Get out of there quick. Why? I'm fixing to show you finally. Before you dismiss me and make up your mind that you're never coming back, please know that I love you, and I'm telling you this because I do love you. I want you to see in great detail what it would cost Korah and those who would not break camp with Korah. Look down to verse number 31. God is about to make his decision in grand fashion. And it came to pass as he had made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder. That means opened up. That was under them, and the earth opened up her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses, and all the men that appertain unto Korah, and all their goods. They and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed up upon them. And they perished. Pun intended. Pun intended. Earth shattering experience. The earth opens up, swallows them, and they go down into the pit. He said, Well, that's just a fairy tale. That's your idea. I believe it's truth. 
If that's not truth, tear everything else out of it. Finally, I want you to see the consequence. The consequence. The Bible says in verse 26, he says, lest ye be consumed. Consumed. Here's what I want you to see. I know the hour's late, but listen to me. You can't live in Korah's tent without being consumed by Korah's troubles. That word consumed means completely devoured. When we were in Montana, we got a phone call. The house right across the street from my house burned up. Beautiful home, prettiest house on the, on the road. When we came home, I was shocked. It's gone. The beautiful house had a nice roof, and they had a cute little dog, and uh, beautiful flowers out front. Always kept it up so nice. It had been consumed. But do you know where that fire started? Somewhere there was a spark. Somewhere there was a small, tiny flame that went unattended, and it consumed it. Listen to me. You can't live in Korah's tent without having Korah's trouble. You can't. You say, I just have this look but not touch mentality. Well, isn't that cute? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. He says, depart, get out of it. Don't even touch it. Why? You're going to be consumed. You can't have the benefits that come along with sin without bearing the burden that comes along with sin. And the burden is you're going to be consumed. I'm going to read you this before we close. Genesis 19.15, when Lot was contemplating breaking camp with Sodom. The Bible says the angels hasten, Lot. Hasten, come on, hurry, hurry, hurry. Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. You can't contain iniquity. It's like trying to contain battery acid. It's corrosive. It's going to spread, and the consequences is you're going to be consumed. Oh, Lot sold out his family for a good idea over God's instruction. And oh, how things could have been different if dad would have just reconsidered his camp. Reconsidered his camp. Can I ask you something, dads? I know Father's Day over is over, but where's your tent? Are you over there in Korah's tent? Building your home, raising your... I don't have to be there on Wednesday. Listen, I don't have to come to that stuff. I don't have to read my Bible. Yeah, that's your idea. Are you living by your ideas? Your kids are going to pay for it. What about it, moms? You're around the kids oftentimes even more than dad is. Are you making sure that you're making that tent look horrible? We glorify Cora's tent. We glorify it. Man, that's just great. I want to be like them. We push our kids. Oh, you want to be like them so you're accepted. I hope my kid's not accepted by this world. Why? Because the ground's going to open up one day and swallow this one. And I don't want my kid going down with it. Could I beg you this morning, please reconsider your camp? Number one, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ, Jesus is the way, the only way. And he wants you to be saved today. But you've got to, watch this, abandon the camp of your ideas and accept what God instructs as the only way to be saved. I'd reconsider for long, the trumpet of God's going to sound, and we're out of here. It's over. We've reached the conclusion, and you'll be glad that you did this morning. If you're here this morning and you're saved, folks, look, I'm as guilty of it at times as you are. We find ourselves over here serving God. We're looking at Korah's tent. 
We're thinking, man, it would be nice to be accepted. Be nice to be liked. Be nice if people were nice to your kids. Be nice, all this. And you're thinking, you know what? It doesn't look that bad. Oh, please reconsider the camp you're raising your kids in. Because it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your family. It's going to cost you, what did it say of Korah? All his house. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed.